listen in, which is part of curiosity, the growth mindset, but at some point you've got to take action on it. There's a lot of folks that read, a lot of folks that listen to podcasts, they consume information, which is amazing. I encourage them, keep that up. And in addition to that, transfer it into action. If you read and you keep doing the same thing, you're really missing out on that opportunity to really expand, to grow, to experience new things. And even if you are not successful, some people call that failure. As long as you're failing forward, ain't nothing wrong with that. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Larry Long Jr. Larry is the CEO, which he calls the Chief Energy Officer, and keynote speaker at LLJR Enterprises. He's a sales speaker, keynote speaker, motivational speaker. And in our conversation, Larry brings the energy as we dive into the topic of sales mindsets. And what are the mindsets that sellers need to bring to their selling each and every day? We also dig into the topic of sales coaching. When I first met Larry, which was a couple years ago at a reception held the night before a conference that I was speaking at. I don't know if you remember those live get-togethers, conferences. But anyway, when Larry and I first met, we somehow got on the topic of sales coaching. And I was struck by his mindset about how he coached his sellers. I immediately thought, wow. Larry really understands what the purpose of coaching is and how to do it. So we get into sales coaching. We also talk about the changes we see coming up in sales. And we talk about some changes that we think need to be made. Bring some sanity to how we develop, motivate, and measure the performance of our individual contributors. So all of this and much, much more. Before we get to Larry, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback on how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Larry, Larry, welcome to the show. Come on, Andy. Thank you. Oh, I'm honored and privileged to be here with you. Well, I'm honored and privileged to have you here. I mean, I don't know. I, I, we met at a conference a couple years ago, and I, I thought, wow, I need to talk with Larry some more. Oh, man, the feeling is mutual. It was, I still remember downtown Durham. Downtown Durham. It was actually the pre-party. It was the evening before. I remember the conversation we had and then seeing you on the main stage. I said, goodness gracious, this guy is royalty. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe I'm a very small country. Um, But but yeah, no, we had a good time talking. And I remember we talked, we're going to talk about this today. We talked about coaching a fair amount. And so I want to dive back into that. We'll get to that at some point. But but since that time, you've you've uh, gosh, you've struck out on your own. You're self-employed. Um, so <laughs> and you label yourself chief energy officer and based on reading everything that you're doing, I think that's probably the right title because I just got tired reading about it. So tell us what you're up to. Uh, LLJR Enterprises. It's my own company and really focused on empowering individuals and organizations. My, my wife said that's so generic, which it is. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, 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 I'm really a speaker, keynote speaker, a coach, trainer, consultant, really geared towards helping folks go from wherever they are. I meet folks wherever they are and taking them to that next level. 
uh, whether it's their energy level, whether it's their inner belief, belief in self, whether it's their sales skills, whether it's their business skills, working with entrepreneurs, it really is that coaching to level up. And I'm a former baseball player. I, yes. I played, played baseball at University of Maryland. I, I take my bat wherever I am. And in baseball, you can never be perfect. Uh, it's kind of like golf. You can never be perfect. I think no. it's the same, same thing in sales. It's the same thing in life, the same thing in business. There's always room for improvement. Yeah. But, I mean, there's always room for improvement. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that this is one of the things that's, that's gotten so – no, I'd be interested in your take on this. It's gotten so twisted up is, is that there's, there's this obsession, I believe, in sort of the sales ecosphere, you know, online uh, communities and so on about you – know, everybody's a top performer and everybody says you gotta be like the top performers and and my belief is that that's not really what we want we want everybody to be the best version of themselves and nailed it bingo right and it's and it's like we (laughs) as managers you see all these managers sort of look down at people because oh you're not the top performer it's like you know, the world is made up. Your company grows on the backs of people who become consistently good at what they do. And it's like, it's like good has become a pejorative, right? Oh, you're just good at what you do? It's like, look up the meaning of the word. <laughs> I mean, you don't, that's what we want. People to be good. We want the best version of themselves. I, I totally agree. And, and essentially, Andy, I, I look at it in terms of buckets. And there, there, there's numerous buckets, But I I like to break it down kind of holistically into eight buckets, seven F's. And you'll laugh at the seventh F, faith, family, friends, fun, fitness, finances, philanthropy. I do know how to spell. That's a P-H, not an F, but I spell phonetically and frenetically and then career. (laughs) And and if you do a self-audit, scale of one to ten, where are you in each of those eight buckets? There's always going to be areas of improvement, and I like folks to prioritize. What's your number one and why? Your number two, your number three. And let's focus on are you spending your time, your energy, and your resource on getting those to the best that you possibly can? Yeah, I mean, John Ferrara, who's CEO of Nimble, has been on the show a couple times, and and yeah, he's got his five Fs, which is (laughs) – well, yeah, I won't even try to butcher. But I know one of the F's is food, and uh, I didn't hear that in yours. But, but it's around the same thing. It's you know, friends, fellowship, family, food, and one other. I, I'm completely blanking on. John will have to come on back on and tell me. But I thought, yeah, I mean, you're, and this is. I think we talk about work life balances is keeping these things in mind. Is how we keep that balance. That, that, that's right. And, and I need to include food. I'm, I'm trying to eat some more green leafies in my diet. I'm trying to lose this COVID-19. Well, yeah. let's get real, this COVID-39. But <laughs> it is. And, and I hear some people say there's no such thing as work-life balance. Eh, I think there is a balance amongst everything. But essentially, you as a person and what's going on in your personal life, it, it's a part of what goes on professionally. And I'm a big believer, if your cup is empty, you're not getting sleep, you're not eating the right things, you're not moving, getting some sort of workout in, it's going to be tough to be the best you that you can be when you come into the office. Now I'll say these virtual four walls of the office. 
Well, which has made some of that harder, right? Um, for sure. Well, for some people, it's made it easier because um, you know they're not commuting and doing some of the other things. But it, it, we're going to get back to that topic about future work and so on because I think this is this is especially with the message you're you're spreading. It's like, yeah, future work may be different than I think what a lot of people think it's going to be. But uh, you know, you talk about mindset, the important mindset. So how are you classifying mindsets? You're saying, you know, what's the mindset a seller needs to have? Or what's the mindset you need to have just to become the best version of yourself? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is that self-belief. I'm going to rewind back. I played baseball. And in baseball, if you're a 70% failure, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Someone's patting you on the back and saying, great job. That, that's pretty tough. 70% failure? Woo! Well, in sales, the numbers are can be somewhat similar depending on where you sell. If you're a 70% failure and you've got a 30% close rate, you could be getting patted on the back and given a big commission check. That takes Possibly. a special, special mindset, a special perspective to be able to brush off the unsuccessful attempts and, and essentially, I forget who it is. It might be Zig Ziglar. I'm probably wrong, but uh, essentially, it's being able to success is being able to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. It's a quote along those lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, most, the most successful people that I've seen, and this is just my experience, are truly able to execute on that. We all know that. We all know that if I strike out in my first at bat, I need to come back. In my third at bat, as if nothing happened, but most people, they're still dwelling on that first at bat. It's like, no, move on to this prospect and give them all that you've got with a positive. I'm a big fan that positive attitude is contagious and it makes a world of difference. I think that that's one of my superpowers is even in the face of adversity, being able to look for the positives, look for that perspective of what's good, what's great and what's wonderful. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things you have is you you have perspective, right? I mean, I think that that's really sort of the thing that we we miss teaching people is perspective. And I was just searching for this quote here, which is one of my favorite quotes. It's from a, a gentleman named Paul Tillich, who was an American philosopher and theologian. And I saw this quote, oh gosh, decades ago, early in my career, and it just stuck with me and I cut it out. It was on my refrigerator for, again, for almost for decades. And the quote is, the awareness of the ambiguity of one's highest achievements, as well as one's deepest failures, is a definite symptom of maturity. And it's like, that's it, right? It just struck me. It's like, yeah, you know, you got highs, you got lows. They're never as high as you think they are. They're never as low as you think they are. And keeping on that perspective helps you move from one thing to the other spot on keeping that happy medium because i I tell you this four-letter word we call life it's a game when you when you think you're on top of the hill it'll knock you down and and sometimes when you think you're down you're not really down you say oh it can't get any worse just wait it can how do you keep that happy medium then when things are going bad hey there's light at the end of the tunnel this is a chapter and it's there's a reason for this season that I'm going through this. And, and my question is, what are you doing? Are you taking notes and learning? 
Are, are you learning from this time that might be unsuccessful? When you're having success, are you still taking notes and learning and mm-hmm. staying on the ball, staying on your grind and not just coasting like, oh, I'm good. Everything is awesome. Well, hey, just around that corner, there's a challenge called COVID. Are you ready? Uh-oh. A lot of people got 18 months ago, 19 months ago, a lot of people got, boop, they got blindsided. I mean, I think that, you know, but you talk about the importance of the, the eight Fs um, is, yeah, that's what moves you forward, right? Is when you say things are never as bad as they appear to be, well, it's true to some degree, right? I mean, gosh, I mean, people, very unfortunate situations over the last 19, 20 months, even well before that. But yeah, in general, I mean, if you're in sales, yeah, losing an order, losing a deal is not one of the worst things that's ever going to happen to you. So true. It's that perspective. And uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Some, not, not all, but some folks really don't have that perspective and they get themselves tied up and emotionally invested into that one deal. Hey, there's a term called Fido. It's not the name of my dog. My dog's name was Shaq. I love Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Fido stands for, and I don't know if HR is, is listening in, but it stands for effort, drive on. On, mm-hmm. to, the, on to the next one. Uh, I shared that with a group of student athletes and one of the student athletes, he was a cross country runner at Boston College. He said, Larry, I'm going to borrow that, but I'm going to give you something my roommate and I both say. Fitfo. I said, what? Fitfo? He said, yes, figure it the freak out. In life, (laughs) you've got the fitfo. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's sort of your adaptability in the midst of uncertainty is, is... Really, I think what separates people who are most successful in life or consistently successful in life, and doesn't mean yeah, with the greatest financial awards or greatest success in sales, talking about in life, is the people that can adapt to changing circumstances. And you know, one of that you know changes is you know in the environment you work in in sales, nothing stays the same. So to your point earlier, as soon as you think you've got it figured out, uh, yeah, you're going to start losing. Right, you're gonna start missing it because the world's changing around you. As soon as you think, yeah, I've got it, uh, it's different. And so, you know, as Darwin said, it wasn't survival of the strongest. It was that <laughs> evolution was about. It was about survival of the most adaptable. So true. So true. And Andy, I'm gonna take you on a journey. I was born in Baltimore. My mm-hmm. parents worked for Department of Veterans Affairs, so I've lived in Grand Island, Nebraska. Danville, oh. Illinois, yep. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, and Columbia, Maryland. When you move, and my favorite song, it was, well, the most popular song my mom used to sing was Make New Friends, But Keep the Old. One is mm-hmm. silver while the other is gold. When you got to make those moves, you learn to be flexible. You learn to oh, yeah. be adaptable and how to interact with different folks, how to be the new kid on the block. Kids can be, ooh, savage. And essentially being able to have that instinct, being able to have that experience in the sales world, because like you said, it's always changing. 
I mean, essentially, I, I think it was Robert Herchevich, one of the Sharks, said that we're starting to see, and this was five years ago. I was six years ago. I think I was still working at Channel Advisor. He said, we're starting to see changes in technology just accelerate. Before it was 18 months. It was 24 months. Now we're starting to see changes every six months. And I would say that now we're starting to see changes every two to three months, maybe even two to three weeks. The game is changing. And those folks that stay on the the bleeding edge, they stay ahead of the game and not just kind of stuck in their comfort zone are the ones that I'm seeing thrive. I've, I've been so fortunate to be able to coach different sellers. And I just see the ones that that kind of get the bigger picture. They're not they're not just laser focused. You got to have focus, but they're not just so laser focused that they miss what's going on around them and they're able to play chess while other people are playing checkers. Uh-oh. Yep, got a good statement. I can see that in a speech now when you're up on stage. So, um yeah, well I think that's <laughs> I think that's right, but it speaks to I think a again, a perspective which uh is something that I don't know I picked up early in, in life, I don't know, from my family or from early boss or something. But, yeah, I encourage people to read widely, right? Consume information widely. I still think reading is the best way to do it. But um, and it's the best way still to learn. But nonetheless, is that you have to be interested in way more than just what's right in front of you. And this comes in handy all the time. I mean, I can't remember the number of times in in my career in sales, where I'm, you know, I spent a lot of time overseas uh, selling internationally, and the ability to have conversations with people about things that are interesting to them, because I sort of knew from reading and staying informed and seeing the bigger picture, really paid off. Oh, so true. I'm reading a book right now, uh, Three Feet from Gold, and the one line that really stood out is five years from now. You're going to be the same person you are today, with the exception of the books you read, what you consume, as well as the people that you've met, those relationships, those conversations. I, uh, I used to drive Uber and Lyft to make a little bit of spare change on the side. That was my gambling money, my golf money. And I can tell you, if you ask the question and then you shh, listen, everyone's got a story. And everyone, if you, not everyone, most people, if you ask mm. the right question, they'll share with you things that you never would have imagined. The journeys, the adventures, the relationships, the experiences. It's absolutely amazing. I love that word that you use, being interested, being curious and mm. learning from others and not just believing your own hype. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... <laughs> As the youngest of four kids, I was disabused of that notion of <laughs> believing my own hype. So uh, that uh, sticks with you, right, when you're the butt end of, of uh, older siblings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, that the whole arc of someone's success, I believe, can be traced to their curiosity and their desire to understand things that are new. I mean, I looked at my own career as... as Involved in you know, deeply technical sales, selling to large enterprises and corporations you know, around the world. And it's like, I mean, I was a reasonably smart guy. I could understand the product to, you know, to a certain level. I certainly wasn't technical. But, you know, it's just 
being curious to learn more about my customers and the people I met and being interested in them because you said they all had stories to tell. And, you know, some of those stories maybe initially perhaps didn't really relate to what we were talking about work-wise, but there was a power and a connection that came from that. So true. So true. And I would say in addition to the curiosity, it's uh, the, the listening, which is part of curiosity, the growth mindset, but at some point you've got to take action on it. A lot of folks, there's a lot of folks that read, a lot of folks that listen to podcasts, they consume information, which is amazing. I encourage them, keep that up. And in addition to that, transfer it into action. If you, sure. if you read and you keep doing the same thing, oh, it's, you're, 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 you're really missing out on that opportunity to really expand, to grow, to experience new things. And even if you are not successful, some people call that failure. As long as you're failing forward, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, I just posted something on LinkedIn last week because uh, I said the opening line was, you know, failure is the price of admission to success. I mean, you're not going to succeed unless you fail first. Uh, yeah. And everybody hears the word fail and they think like, you're broke, you're bankrupt, you're, you know, you're, you're living, in this, living in your car. It's just, you know, there's ups and downs. And as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's this ability to be able to weather the ups and downs, understand that they're not a, an indictment of you personally, but just perhaps a signpost of where you are in your life. You'll get through. That's right. Embracing it and uh, realizing it's going to come and being ready for it and prepared as best as you can and realizing, hey, this is just another chapter for me to learn, uh, a story to tell. I mean, some of my my grandest failures, quote unquote, going to minor leagues with the Dodgers and the Red Sox and them telling me, hit the road, Jack, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. I mean, it, it sucked at the time, but looking back at it, hey, that made me more resilient. It made me realize that I, I got out of my comfort zone. I gave it one last shot, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't meant to be. Oh, well, Fido. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not all going to be the best at everything or even, you know, professional caliber at everything we do. I mean, oh, well. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy doing it. I mean, I'm a horrible golfer. I really enjoy playing and that's fine right i get the enjoyment out of it but it's not the thing. it's not the thing that i invest my emotional energy into the things i invest my emotion invest my emotional energy into i try to do better you came to the wrong person i'm tiger wood i don't know if you did your research but i'm tiger woods yes. cousin yeah i'm his long lost cousin they call me yeah, larry, cousin. Yeah. La- larry hit it in the woods <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a good friend who's got this great saying and applies to life sales as well as golf he says you know there's there's no tee shot so good it can't be screwed up by a bad second shot and <laughs> and he used to say that to me after i hit one of my few drives into the fairway um but isn't it true though right i mean you can have a you can have a great opening call with a with a prospective buyer and if you don't do a good job preparing for the second one, if you don't come back and you're interested in really learning about them and what's the most important thing for them that you can help them get, yeah, you're going to shank that second shot into the woods. The story of my golf life, unfortunately. 
(laughs) (laughs) Having that focus and really resetting your goal each and every time. uh, It's what separates those that are kind of plugging along and those that see more consistent success. I love I'm going to rewind back to what you said before. There, there is a big push that good is not good enough. Uh, I believe that your best is, is great enough. There, there's a thing called P90X. I, I did P60X. And Tony Horton, he says, try your best and forget the rest. And I share that with my kids. I got an 11-year-old son, 7-year-old daughter. I look him in the eye and I say, as long as you tried your best, daddy's happy. Forget the rest. And now my son, he's slick because being a, a business owner myself, there are some ups and downs, some adventures, misadventures. He says, he says, Daddy, try your best and forget the rest. So it's I'm, my own medicine is coming back on me. <laughs> well, sometimes we need the kids to remind us, right? But, I mean, this is a it's so frustrating for me personally because – yeah, I look back at my career, managing teams, growing companies, you know, sales teams that growing, fast-growing companies. Yeah, I wanted to surround myself with people who were really good at what they did. I didn't want, and we weren't going out and hiring, you know, the hired gun mercenary salesperson who claimed they got a book of contacts they could bring with them. Blah blah blah. First of all, I think most of that's that's BS in almost all cases. Um, yeah, we just want people that were consistently good. And were willing to work to become consistently good at what they did. And they kept improving to keep that, maintain that level. And wow, companies found success. It's, it's amazing. It's magical. Uh, I've had some experiences as well with uh, unicorns. Well, one unicorn, Pendo, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. being employee 40, once again, we're hiring for those folks that have that internal drive and desire. They have that hunger to, uh, and they yearn. They 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 yearn for more. They want to be challenged. They want to see how good they can possibly be, which is just an amazing feeling. It's I can tell you, it's challenging to find those folks because generally those folks are employed and hopefully engaged. But when you can find one of those gems, there's nothing like it. Well, I think there's more of them. This is really, I think, the nut of what you and I are talking about. There's more of them than than we think. You know, as, as too many of them have been discouraged. You know, they've, they've started off a certain way and got bad direction or had a manager who didn't uh, really understand what was driving them, what was motivating them, and understand how to bring the best out of them to help them learn and continue to improve. And, yeah, it just sort of ended. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. And that, that's, a, that's a challenge on the leadership side of things. Uh, oftentimes, I mean, I, I see it often. Your top producer now becomes the manager. And just because you are a top producer doesn't mean that you're manager material. It's it's kind of yeah. like uh, in pro sports. You see some of the greatest of all time as coaches. They're some of the worst of all time. And then sure. you've, got, you've got your Phil Jackson, who he was a, a, a player, but he wasn't a he wasn't a, a, a goat, an all star player, a Hall of Fame player. But one of the best coaches of all times. Right. Well, you had that aptitude, really, right from the beginning. It seemed to be apparent, at least when you, you know, listen to the documentaries and so on about him. But it was a mindset, right? I mean, he was that sort of ultimate team player for the Knicks back in that day. And, and not surprisingly, he became a coach. 
That's right. Those relationships as well. Being able to, like you said, find what works for Dennis Rodman versus Scottie Pippen versus MJ versus Steve Kerr. I mean, just really being able to have that connection, which is so important in sales as a leader to be able to connect with each of your reps, to know your reps. It's you're you're internally selling, I believe. When you're you mean as a manager, when you're coaching them, somebody. Yeah. yeah. Yep, you're you're right. tr- you're trying to understand their needs, their wants, yep. desires, challenges, hopes, dreams, yep. and aspirations. Yeah, I mean it's it's no different. As I say, you know, selling is really about nothing more than listening to understand what's the most important thing to the buyer, and then helping them get that. That's that's selling. That's what you do as a seller. That's what you do. You just listen to make sure you understand exactly what's the most important thing to them, the buyer, and then help them get it. And to your point, as a manager, you do that same thing with your people. You listen to make sure you understand what's the most important thing to that person and how can you help them get that? Million dollar matchmaker. Where you're you're matching what, what they want and what they need with what you have. Cha-ching! <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Yet so this really raises the question is is why is it so hard? We we, right? we, we, make, so, we make it hard. Well, right. So why are we making it so hard? I mean, it's it's <laughs> as said, it's like a lot of things. It's fairly simple. It's not necessarily easy, but we do tend to make it harder. And you know, coaching is a perfect example. Yeah, you know, there was a survey that's done. I forget who did it. Uh, but it shows this huge disconnect between the way this topic, let's say, is perceived of coaching by sellers versus managers. Or uh, managers said they coached, I don't know, <laughs> I forget what the number was, like, you know, five hours a week or, you know, coached each of their people one hour a week per month. And then they interviewed sellers and they were like 80% saying, I don't get any coaching at all. Um, so this huge perception gap between what, managers think they're doing and what sellers perceive they're receiving. Agreed. I, I, I can attest to that just from my own observations, a huge disconnect. And uh, I don't know, it leaves a lot of, a lot of room for improvement. Uh, but I'll also say it provides an opportunity for sellers to proactively seek it. If you're not getting it from your direct manager, the question is, what you going to do about it? Are you mm-hmm. going to just sit back and complain and moan or are you going to take action and say, if I'm not going to get it from within, then let me go ahead and seek it from outside. Uh, let me go ahead and let my manager's manager know that I'm not receiving what I need. And if they make a change, that's great. If they don't, hey, you got to do what you got to do. You got to fit You got to figure it to freak out because I'm looking for folks that are proactive. If you just sit back it's not like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. No, you better go out there and get it. You show me that you're hungry. I'm, I know I'm not going to sit back and wait for someone to put food on my table. I'm going to go out there and actively seek. I'm going to actually be out there putting in that hard rowing to get to where I want to get to. So that is the question from, from, from my perspective. That is the question. What are you doing to take control and to take ownership of your growth? of your development to get to that next level. Agree, 100%. But let me ask a question. Are companies doing enough 
Oh, you already know the answer. What are you, a lawyer? <laughs> Come on, Andy. Let's go, AP. Of course not. <laughs> In a perfect world, they are. And, and, and I'm not going to discount it. There are some companies that are doing an absolutely amazing job. But just once again, from my observation, the majority, more than 50% of companies, they're missing the mark. And they continue to miss the mark even when the data shows you're missing the mark. I've, I've been blessed to be an advisor with RepView. Uh, essentially, it's providing a data-driven uh, approach to reviews of sales organizations. Right. And you can look at the feedback and uh, the numbers don't lie. I mean, you can say, oh, you can, you can finagle the data. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. But when you're seeing a track record and a trend that your organization, the culture, the training, the development, the leadership is lacking – there, 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 there's probably a problem there. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing that more times than not. Companies are just missing that mark. Well, but what seems to be happening, though, is that certainly, yeah, some of those companies, I'm sure, you know, SaaS companies, tech companies, is they say, well, you know, as long as we grow at a certain rate, really don't care. Yeah, yeah. It, it all comes down to your priorities. I work for an organization called Intuit. And they said our number one priority is our people. Mm -hmm. And not only did they say it, but they backed it up with their actions. Mm -hmm. They care of our employees. And we know that that's going to take care of our customers. And we know that's going to take care of our shareholders. That was their true north. A lot of, right. a lot of companies, they, they say the right things, but there's a saying, your actions speak so loud. I can't hear what you're saying. So, yeah, a lot of, one companies, of my favorite quotes yeah, through their Emerson. <laughs> through, their act, through their actions that's all they care yeah. about is that bottom line and hey that's uh, our employees that's collateral damage oh yeah yeah I mean and we're seeing that in pretty widespread in sales these days I mean there was a survey that came out from Uncrushed saying that 75% of sellers report being stressed or extremely stressed um, something's fundamentally wrong with the way people are being managed and developed if that's the case. And you can't blame it all on COVID. I mean, certainly an aspect of that's COVID. But um, if you have three quarters of people in you know, one large segment of a, of a profession saying, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope, um, that's hugely problematic. And it's an indictment, first and foremost, of management, culture, lack of leadership, and so on. Yeah, we, we can all look in the mirror and uh, ask ourselves, what are we doing to uh, to change that? And uh, I, I use a little acronym MBS, mind, body and soul. Uh, a lot of times we don't really talk about that when it comes to our sellers. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How are things not? Let, let's take the numbers out of it. Let's take mm -hmm. the feel exactly. out of it. But how are you as a person doing right. and then listening Sometimes, oh, yeah, okay, okay, all right, so let's get into this deal. What are you, you going to close this quarter? It's like, oh, people are smarter than that. They can smell BS from a mile away. And I, I think, Andy, we're going into this time. I've heard it called the great resignation where folks are saying, not only am, am I at the end of my rope, but guess what? I'm going to take action. I'm out of here. And, and, and I'm seeing folks that aren't just leaving organizations – but they're leaving sales altogether. It's like, ooh, huh? like you talked about the numbers before. That's tough. That's that's not a good thing right there. Well, no. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Risley at the Mental Health Sales Health Alliance brought this up. Um, I know you did a webinar on it, I think, last week sometime. 
about this. Yeah, interesting that this phenomenon really develops because, you know, it's, it's, I think there's all this enthusiasm about working remotely and sales and blah, 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 which I think is really misplaced because I think most salespeople, at least based on my conversations, once you dig beneath the surface, they want to be back together with their peers. It's how they learn. And one, and one of the predominant things, that's how they learn, right? Because they're sharing. You say, oh, you, yeah, do that on Slack. Do that on Zoom call. Do that. It's like, yeah, it's not the same. We all know the same. It's, yeah, these are human beings we're dealing with. And technology does certain things well, but this is not one of them. And, yeah, you can make an argument on both sides, I know, for companies to say, yeah, let's bring people back. Let's make them come back. Get vaccinated, come back. I think you're going to see a lot more companies do that. And I think you're going to see a lot more employees want to go back at least three days a week. Um, it's going to create, that's going to create a whole other layer of problems. You know, there's a big article last week, I think, Wall Street Journal or New York Times about how the hybrid workforce is going to create two tiers of employees. Um, and I think that definitely is going to happen, human nature. But I think the desire is there to be more. But I think we have is a lot of CFOs saying, Oh man, we're gonna save a bunch of money. So, you know, we don't need all these offices. We don't need people to come back in. We don't need people to travel to see customers. And yeah, it's never gonna be the same as it was before. It was overdone in many cases. I mean, but that's not a new phenomenon that's been around for decades. I mean, if you ever work for a bootstrapped startup and you know, fly economy around the world, uh, you'll know <laughs> that you travel very sparingly, but you get the job done. So, I mean, I think that, that, yeah, long story short, I think people want to get back. And I think this is one of the things perhaps that's holding sales back, and I say it's broadly sales, is people are missing this interaction, this casual interaction that helps them learn. Uh, I remember this 2019 LinkedIn state of sales report said that the prominent way sellers learned is from their peers. Oh, I can believe it. Proximity. Over here in the hallway, the the water jug talk. Uh, mm-hmm. You just hopped off of a demo. Hey, how'd it go? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll never believe what they just said. So true, which you miss out on in a virtual environment. Now, how do you balance that with folks that have different situations, uh, whether it's kids and having the flexibility? I, I just had coffee this morning with a young lady who said, we're back in the office three days, which I love. The other two days, I can still be productive, but I can also get my laundry done. I can also shuttle my kid, my, my child, where he needs to be. So it's, it's, it's interesting, and it's interesting to see different organizations, how they respond and how their employees and their leaders respond as well. Uh, Mark Cuban said it at the beginning of the pandemic. He said, keep your eyes and your ears open. Uh, companies and individuals, true colors are going to shine through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been uh, I've been on the watch. There's uh, there's some suspect behavior that's going on out there, but it is what it is. Well, you're always going to get that, right? We're always going to be exposed to the spectrum of, of human behavior. But um, yeah, I think for sellers, having that flexibility is really important. I mean, I don't think anybody can say that being in the office five days a week is absolutely essential. Um, it's not for any any work, right? In fact, man, yeah, Iceland just got through with their four-day work week uh, study and across, I don't know, some large number of, of people there as a percentage of the population. And they, they were increased their productivity uh, with four days of work. So, 
yeah, it's not like there's a magic number, but I think people need to understand that this you know, togetherness has a dividend. And well, what's that? How frequently it needs to happen? Don't know. But I think the companies that experiment with this are going to be ahead of the game, as opposed to insisting that everybody can just be remote. Or, you know, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that say, look, if you're an employer and you and you're trying to hire salespeople, and you say you've got to be in the office, you're never going to hire anybody. I think that's wrong too. I think it doesn't. Under, I think it underestimates or overestimates the number of people uh, that want to work remotely. Yeah, there's a spectrum. It's interesting. You made a comment earlier about coaching, and one of the things that I've learned. Well, I've known it before, but I'm really seeing it now. Is that folks are yearning an outlet to speak with someone outside of their organization. I've I've talked with reps that are in uh, Australia, Vancouver, Toronto, North America, Latin America. Mm-hmm. They've shared these are these are things that I'm able to share with you that I'm not comfortable with sharing with my direct boss, with, with the person who controls. And it's just an interesting, it's just a, uh, it's just an interesting uh, observation to hear that, that it's like, wow, I'm, I'm just, it feels so good to be able to get this off my chest. It's, it's kind of been pent up because we have been in these virtual and in these boxes, I guess you could say the Brady box bunches. And now mm-hmm. I'm able to share with someone who can relate, but someone who doesn't control my livelihood and control my future. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing just to, to see. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that, um, yeah, I've experienced some of that just with people reaching out to me on LinkedIn, for instance, and saying, and this was this is sort of surprising. It's it's not like it's hundreds of people, but there's enough people that are doing this that say, you know, Andy, I loved your post today. I really wanted to hit like and make a comment, but I'm afraid my boss would see it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I was being a bit naive about that, but it's just like seriously. Uh, and there's one point earlier this year calendar year where it happened and there was just a few posts in a row we had put out that was evoking this type of response and I was just like, shit, right? I mean, you have to you have to worry about that? You know, the people you're working for are so thin-skinned and so insecure, which is an issue uh, that you can't even express your own opinion. It's, it's uh, I, I can believe that a thousand percent. There's a, uh, we're, we're, we're going through at an interesting crossroads, Andy. And I'm interested to see how the future of it shakes out. I've, I've got some thoughts around it, but we're, uh, I, I think there's a saying, if it ain't broke, some people say don't fix it. Uh, others say if it ain't broke, break it, mm-hmm. bake it and flip it upside down. And I think that's where we're at right now. Just as, are we coming out of this? Are we, are we getting, is there light at the end of the tunnel? Are we going back to uh, March the 13th of 2020 where everything went on lockdown? Where are we at? And there's a lot of uh, FUD, a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt of the unknown, that, that ambiguity. What's next? No one knows what's around the corner. And that's, uh, that's tough for a lot of folks. It is tough. Yeah. But what what make it easier as such is people just act like a good person. 
You make, you make that sound so easy, Andy. Come on now. We both work with people. I wish it was that easy to just be civil and a good person, which well, it is easy. I think it takes work to be a jerk and an ass. Um, it takes work to be uninformed. Uh, yeah, despite uh, people's opinions. It, yeah, it takes work. I think it's actually we're wired to be good people. Um, and if you trust, if, if you're able to trust your instincts, but if you follow your instincts as a good person, yeah, as a manager, yeah, if you're a good person and you're not so fixated on what the metrics and the KPIs are telling you, and to your point you made earlier, you're going to have a conversation with someone and find out what is the most important thing to them that I can help them achieve in their life. That's just being a good person. You're just being concerned about someone else. It should come natural to you. That probably does, but you've learned to suppress it. And because you think you're you think you're wearing this hat or this mask that you're in this role, right? I mean, to me, one of the sort of issues from a perspective standpoint that that negatively affects people's ability to sell is they they view it as a costume they put on as opposed to who they are. And the manager's the same way. I, I've got to be this this person that's uh, you know so fixated on KPIs, and I sort of forget about the people. That's right. That's right. I can't be authentic. I can't be myself. There are always three things that I looked for when I was leading teams. Number one, hitting numbers. We're there to accomplish business objectives or or we won't be there. Number two, to help my folks to learn and grow. And and one of the best ways is to learn and grow myself and Mm -hmm. share what I'm learning and growing with others and then encourage them to do the same. It's, It's like that little game. You keep your droplets to yourself, but you pass on that knowledge to others and the impact it's making on you. And then number three, I hope we don't forget this, is have fun. Life is meant to be enjoyed. I think the millennials, and I, I love meeting your son last week. I think the millennials call it YOLO. I had to look it up on the Urban Dictionary. You only live once. You're not that old, Larry. Come on now. You don't see the gray, Andy. I'm getting older and wiser. My, yeah, wife, yeah, yeah. my, my wife said, don't go telling people that. You're getting older. You ain't getting no wiser. But, but I, I know for me, I've been on a yo-yo. It's been going up. And down on a Tuesday, we had some twists and turns, but it's really enjoying the journey, enjoying the adventure. And even if it's a misadventure, which is my middle name, you got to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, there's a sizing review in the New York Times last week of a new book on sort of time management that came out. And the book is called 4,000 Weeks. And the point is, that's the average lifespan of a person in the U.S. Wow. Don't tell much when you say it that way, does it? And so if you think about all the time we waste worrying about things we can't control, not enjoying the things we can, um, yeah, 4,000 suddenly starts seeming like a really small number. Yeah, that's, that's great perspective. I love it. I've heard other folks talk about you're living your dash. And as time goes on, your dash gets a little bit smaller. For me, <laughs> 1978, I'm living my dash. And who knows? I don't I don't know when my finish line is going to come. So uh, I just try to carpe diem, seize the day. I met a gentleman who had carpe diem tattooed on one one arm. He had carpe noctum tattooed on the other. I said, oh, I said, I'm too old to be seizing the night, but I can seize the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how often he looks at those things. So, um, well, Larry, it's been great having you on the show and great. We were able to catch up again. Andy, my pleasure, my honor, my privilege. 
Uh, I'm just fortunate. And thank you. I, I want to say thank you for allowing me to join you on your wonderful show and uh, look forward to keeping in touch and wish you all the best and continued success. Well, and likewise, you with your new venture setting out to conquer the world. I think uh, you want to keep your eye on Larry Long Jr. I certainly am. So, uh, Larry, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Best way is on LinkedIn, uh, Larry Long Jr. I got a smile for a mile. I got the face for radio. There's no mistake, and you'll, you'll see uh, me and the gold mic on my profile. Oh, yeah. oh the gold mic. Look at that. What is that? <laughs> He's showing it to me. For people on, who, are, who are listening to this who can't see this this uh, golden mic. Ah, just a karaoke right. mic. I got two of them. Uh, I was going to say, are they actual mics or are they just props? Uh, one of them, no, nah, they're karaoke mics, but my okay. kids had a little bit too much fun with this one, so we had to get a replacement. Uh, <laughs> I should do that. I should upgrade mine to gold. All right, Larry, thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Larry Long Jr., for sharing his insights and energy with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.